0: I'm Deb McCarty. thank you for joining me here in the chicken coop. It has been a little more than a year since I began this podcast, and you'll notice this is still the only the second episode. Last year, just after I recorded the first episode, within a few days I was in a car accident, and um, while the only thing that I suffered uh, was a brain, neck, I shouldn't say the only thing, it took a year to heal, (laughs) and um, uh, some hip problems. It really became a major distraction, as pain does, for a lot of the year, and it was very surprising to me. I had not expected the injury to take so long to heal, and uh, to find myself really not able to multitask as I have for so, so many years. I think it was a, um, I'm not going to say it was a blessing, but it was definitely a lesson and uh, it still takes me a while to learn that it's time in life to slow down and just be present with the project you're working on at the moment. If this is your first time tuning in, I do encourage you to go back and listen to that first episode because it really is an introduction into who I am, where I live, and what this podcast is about. I welcome back all those listeners that were with me from years ago when I had my weekly At the Kitchen Table podcast. And if you are new And uh, just learning who I am and what I'm all about, welcome. Thank you for joining me in the Chicken Coop. As I introduced in that first episode, the Chicken Coop is my little studio uh, for my business, Chicken Coop Botanicals. It is spring and it is a rainy day on my little bit of Mount Hood. The clouds are lying low and it's actually quite beautiful. It's very misty. Whenever I see the mist hovering over the mountains, it makes me feel like there's magic hiding in the mist. And today has that kind of feeling. There's a fire in the wood stove and I have a cup of herbal tea in my hand. So today I'd like to start with what's in the cup. Well, I really enjoy, especially in the spring, to drink lots of nettle tea. Nettles are so, so good for, oh my gosh, so many things. It's a nutritive herb, meaning that you can drink it every day. It's very nutritious. It's full of protein and so many minerals and vitamins. Uh, It also is wonderful for allergy sufferers. And uh, this is a tea that I drink, or I should say this is an herb I put into many different tea blends all year long. I used to suffer terribly from hay fever and from asthma if I got too many hay fever items near me. And I always knew if I just took nettles in some form throughout the year, I wouldn't have these problems. And I actually began drinking nettles throughout the year because of when I would get very stressed out, I could pull handfuls of hair out of my head. And so I started drinking nettles to strengthen my hair. And what do you know? I went through a whole season with no allergies. And at the end of the season, I was wondering, what was this? And I remembered (laughs) it took some other reason to get that nettle into my daily routine. So nettles are a big part of what's in the teapot and in my coffee or my tea mug. Uh, I also have linden leaves. They are wonderfully, just a wonderful ladies' tonic and a nice... Just refreshing, calming herb, tulsi, which is holy basil, and uh, it is a bit of an adaptogen. When you're feeling like you have some bug coming on, or you're just feeling low, tulsi is a wonderful tea uh, to add into your repertoire. I also have some um, lemon, or I'm sorry, I put lemon verbena in this tea, and. Um, what else is in here um, oh red clover red cl- clover blossoms are one of my favorite calming nervines, uh, nerve vines meaning that it's an herb for your nervous system and this just felt like a really nice combination for today just for a refreshing tea that tastes l- nice and lemony um all of these herbs are either grown by me or um my friend tina has a yard full of nettles so the nettles are from her yard and which is a wonderful way to bring that friendship close since we live fairly far away and um and that's what's in the teacup today one thing that i would say about the tulsi i often put tulsi into my teapot Um, when I know that I'm not going to want to add honey or sugar or some other sweetener to my tea, Tulsi has its own sweetness. And uh, that combined with the lemon verbena, this is a wonderful, refreshing blend. Um, It's funny, I don't have this on the website at all. This is just one of those blends that I started gathering uh, different herbs into a bowl and Chopped them up in my little uh, grinder and then uh, added them into a tin, and so I have this nice, refreshing uh, tea that I can have daily. When I drink a pot of herbal tea, I often will start uh, my tea in the morning, and I should say that this is an herbal infusion. If we're talking tea, we're actually talking about uh, green tea or black tea, all of those uh, all those teas come from one single plant. Whereas an herbal blend uh, is not really a tea. I have no caffeine in this. So this is actually an herbal infusion. And I will often make my pot of tea in the morning and then let it sit for at least 20 minutes. Uh, often I'll just let it sit for even an hour before I start drinking it and especially during the warmer months and the longer that you let those herbs steep the more of their medicinal uses come through i feel like so many of us uh, grew up with you know drinking chamomile tea or a lemon tea or peppermint tea and you steep your bag for about three to five minutes take it out and drink your tea and while it's wonderful warming flavorful um that's what it is it's a delightful cup of warm herbal tea however Uh, we're not getting any medicinal um, purposes from that. You may find that you drink a a cup of chamomile tea and you haven't let it steep very long, and then you're frustrated because you're not feeling as relaxed as you thought you would. But it takes a while for those cells in the plants to open up and release all the constituents that we uh, look to them for, for their healing powers. So that is my... My tea, <laughs> my tea talk for today. Uh, you may find that you hear a rooster or two or three <laughs> throughout the podcast. We have Big Earl who's out there with his ladies, but he now has two grandsons that tag along too. Right now we have about 30 chickens. And so they each have, Earl has the majority, but the other two boys who I have yet to name um, they each have a couple girls on their own. We have uh, a woman that, that we know down in Portland that's going to be moving, and her 12 ladies will be moving up here in June. So I have a feeling that those younger roosters will uh, get a chance to add to their harem of girls at that point. We do have a lot of chickens, I know. <laughs> we also have five ducks uh, and lots of eggs every day that we love to use in our restaurant um if uh, in in addition i guess i should say in addition to chicken coop botanicals my husband and i have owned a restaurant in portland called gino's restaurant and bar we've owned it for 21 years and our son gino is now um in there more often than we are So uh, we go down uh, for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays and bring the eggs. And uh, so if you've eaten brunch in there, you're always getting our wonderful, very deep orange chicken eggs with your brunch um, orders. I love going down to work. I still love our restaurant so much. But I have to say that coming home, I just breathe a sigh of relief being able to have these moments of sitting in the chicken coop looking out the door and seeing those misty mountains and right now there's just a little bit of a reprieve from the rain and it's you can just see a little of the light on the dewdrops, and it's just lovely and quiet i may hear roosters but i'm not hearing um tons of traffic going by so this is just a wonderful wonderful way of life if if you can get it I highly recommend it (laughs) not that it wasn't wonderful living in the city for many many years and we take so many vacations to cities that we enjoy visiting but in the end we find that we've reached that point in our life where we don't necessarily want to live in the city Um, I have Several people that uh, love to come visit because they still love to live in the city, but they feel the opposite for me. So they can come up and get those moments of peace of being out in the wild, in nature, getting your toes in the grass, and then they can go back to the city and feel revived and enjoy the city as much as I do the country. Are you on Instagram? I'm on there as Debacardi, and that's D E B. A-C-C-U-A-R-D-I. One of these days, I will probably uh, create a dedicated Chicken Coop Botanicals Instagram. But for right now, really, Chicken Coop Botanicals is me and it's my life. And it's just like this podcast. It's you get what you see. (laughs) And The reason I bring that up is because often I will... Post a photo of the view from the chicken coop and it is exactly what I'm talking about right here it's standing right at my front doors there and giving you the view of what I'm seeing on any given day and gives you the weather report of what it's like here at the chicken coop <laughs> but it also kind of gives you a little bit of flavor for what's growing in which season and right now it is April Uh, Today is April 12th, I believe, and while down in Portland and I see photos of my friends in California and Colorado and other places where things are just vibrant and full of life and people have been eating nettles for days and days and days, and for us here, things are just starting spring. Um, What's opening here may have opened the end of March, um, just an hour below us. Our flowering cherry, the buds are opening little by little, and it's vibrantly pink right now, however, not open at all. and That tree's just waiting for the perfect, perfect sunny day to open up and really welcome spring. In my garden, so many of my medicinal herbs are coming back, my garlic has sprouted, and um, the onions that I planted a few weeks ago are starting to poke their little heads up. But most of the growth that I'm seeing right now is in my greenhouse. This is my first full year with uh, the greenhouse that my husband rescued from some farm property and uh, put new glass in and cedar sides and it is the most darling little um, just a traditional little eight foot long uh, greenhouse. Uh, Luckily the shelves were on the inside were still in it and I have it packed full with lettuces and different types of onions, different flowers. I really want to have quite a few more cutting flowers in the garden this year. So we've planted uh, four different kinds of zinnias and cosmos and um, coreopsis And what else do I have in there? I almost feel like I should move the podcast up there so we can take a little tour. <laughs> um, I've got all kinds of cabbages And I think the day that I began this project up there, I was really craving cauliflower. I shouldn't say up there, maybe the day I was ordering my seeds through the catalog. Uh, I have this year a white cauliflower, a green cauliflower, a uh, purple blushed cauliflower, and then Romanesco, which is an Italian cauliflower, but uh, some people think that it's more of a cross between a broccoli and cauliflower, but it is more the flavor of a cauliflower. And then of course there is some broccoli in there. Um, Part of the reason I have so many cauliflowers is that once you cut your head of cauliflower, at least for me, that's it, that you don't get anything else from that plant. With broccoli, I, the first year I grew broccoli up here, I had, I think, eight plants. I had so much broccoli in the freezer that year. Uh, once you cut the main head, you get all these wonderful side shoots. Basically, what you would see in the store is broccolini, although now they've bred a plant that, that grows just those broccolinis. So th- now I ha- still have probably three or four plants that'll be going out, but... Um, those are those wonderful cut and come again, kind of of vegetables. So not as much as the cauliflower. I have some cabbages up there and this year I'm growing green and red Brussels sprouts. So I'm pretty excited about that. I've eaten the red once, and they were not as nutty, but a little sweeter than the green. So I'm pretty excited about that. I have my sweet peas planted. Uh, I usually buy those as plants so that I can get those flowers blooming just as, as soon as I can. And those are right in the garden. Sweet peas love to go in early and they can handle these cold nights we're still having. Just like regular um, edible peas. So we have um, our edibles right next to the beautiful flowering sweet peas that I just love the fragrance of so very much. Um, every time I go out into the garden to, to, at least pull up the weeds from last year, uh, we've had our garden in this space for 10 years now. It is about a half acre's worth. And, um, I finally to a point where I'm not allowing the, um, tractor to come in and till it up. It's so much better for the soil if you hand dig anyway. And, um, I just, I have so many plants that I am allowing to return either by reseeding themselves or they are a perennial that will come up. So I am <laughs> I have decided I'm going to have to do the big job of hand digging a lot of these rows. And uh, as I was doing this the other day, I, our soil is still pretty wet, so I'm not, you know, going full bore, but it is a wonderful time when you're weeding to get out there and loosen up. It's a lot easier to get those, those uh, weeds loosened up. We are, our garden is on the edge of a big meadow and you can see it in those photos on Instagram. And because of that, we have all kinds of, uh, Wildflower seeds that get blown in or dropped in by the birds and so at this point in the year I'm pulling out the ones that I would prefer to stay out in the garden. I'm sorry out of the garden and into the meadow there's some that I just can't move yarrow is one i have three beautiful yarrow plants in my garden that i just weed around they've come in from the meadow and i just love them so much that i'm not going to move them at all the other one that appeared last year for the first time in my garden was pearly everlasting which is a um, it's a green plant with flowers that are papery white like the little tiny flowers, and um, beautiful, but not at all from our meadow. Our property is very, very close, just on the edge of the Mount Hood National Forest, and I've seen that plant many times, probably five miles from our house, and some wonderful, thoughtful bird brought me the gift of Pearly Everlasting last year, so I was so happy to see that that plant overwintered and is back. The flowers I love to steep in olive oil and use either as a salve or just the oil itself for um, dry rough skin. I've been thinking that it's um, one that I'm going to put in more of a gardener's salve for after I come out of the garden when my hands are so dry. Um, so, how wonderful that I don't have to drive up the valley to, into the forest to find that, that it's right here in my garden. Um, the other things that are going on in the garden are new beds being... Uh, added in addition to what I have in the ground, uh, we find because of the uh, amount of sand in our soil and just um, the acidity in our soil that some plants do much better in raised beds. So each year we've added some raised beds and last year um, we took our the raised beds that we had which were I would say six feet, I'm sorry, (laughs) six inches high, and decided it was time to double the height so that uh, there would be the extra warmth from having that much more soil in those beds. So um, they are now an eight foot long by two feet, and then they are uh, doubly high. So about, um, I guess they are about a foot high now. And, uh, we did this last year with three of the boxes and my onions did so wonderfully. It's so funny because you would think that the onions would do so well in our sandy soil. However, they, every time I have put onions in the main garden, they just disintegrate. They just disappear Whereas carrots, potatoes, other root vegetables love it out there, and I can overwinter all of them so well. I just love it. But I've learned from many years up here um, what needs to grow where. So this year, uh, in addition to um, doubling up all the beds that we have in the raised bed area, we also um, have experimented with tomatoes. And... Tomatoes don't grow the best up here. We, many years ago, well, many years, this is, seems like every year we revisit this. Do we, how much do we love it up here? Do we love it enough to not grow the tomatoes that we used to be able to grow in abundance? And we finally realize the answer is, yes, we do love it enough, but it doesn't mean that we can't just experiment and experiment the best way to get tomatoes up here. So at this year's experiment is that we have um, Just yesterday we started these new beds that are right up against the fence at the top of our meadows So having the very most Sun they can possibly get but it's one long ten-foot long bed that is uh, with just a one foot um, board on each end so that um, You know, and even as I say this, I realize that my other beds are not. These are 10 by 2, where my others are 8 by 4. Sorry, (laughs) I do know how to add. (laughs) But this will be nothing behind the tomatoes. So I will be able to put in six plants, all facing the sun side by side. I think this might do it. We shall see. It's the big experiment this year. But there's nothing like getting a nice warm tomato out of the garden. And I have to say that even on years where I hardly get any tomatoes at all, or else I'm having a lot of fried green tomatoes, just brushing by that foliage in August and smelling the tomato plant, it makes it all worth it. <laughs> so no matter what, I still will enjoy my tomatoes up here. So those are the big, the big new projects in the garden. The nice thing of being at a point where I I finally have the business at home is that I'm able to go out and have garden days when it's it's a wonderful day to be in the garden and uh, check every day on my plants in the greenhouse so that they don't dry out or that I can make sure to open the window when, um, when it's too warm out. Um, The one thing about our little greenhouse is it is only heated by the sun. And uh, during the winter this last year, we had um, the didn't experiment with uh, barrels or not barrels, but large buckets of water in there. And even this early spring, once I started my plants, they have really kept the temperature consistent in there. So that's been a wonderful uh, lesson that we've learned. But. Back to, you know, having your business at home. Um, For me, it is definitely, there are days where I get distracted by, I need to go do the laundry or I just want to be in my garden when I need to be in making salves or straining out herbs from oils or making some new vinegars for putting together an order. I... I've just decided this is, this is the life of living at the mountain, and this is exactly what I want. And so while I have days like this that are a little rainier, I'm so happy that I finally uh, have been finding my words again and can get this podcast up and running. I've also been doing quite a bit of writing and I'm working now on moving those writings into um, some, it's time to do some recording. So and by recording I mean some online classes. So that is the next big project to come out of the chicken coop. and. Um, We'll see. (laughs) I'm realizing on a day like today that I have to figure out, uh, a, am I going to be recording, uh, most of these in the chicken coop or where is the best spot to get good light on a day when it's, uh, gray and cloudy outside? Um, although this light does seem to be holding, so maybe this will be a day to record some, uh, beginning segments. We shall see. Um, I will definitely keep you updated on on how that's going. I tend to get inspired in a lot of different ways by plants. And obviously for many, many years I've been cooking with plants. That's been the way that I've interacted with them. And um, by making salves and by going out mushrooming and for many years I was uh, dyeing yarn with plants and I still do that I cannot get away from um, the wonderful colors you can get from plants and from mushrooms and now there's just so many platforms uh, That I'm able to kind of express a lot of of my interests in different ways. So one way is to have my online store, Chicken Coop Botanicals, where I sell my herbal products. Um, I have a mentorship program where I'm teaching other people some of the skills I've learned over the years. Um, There's classes both um, here at the Chicken Coop this summer and um, i offer house parties so that you can gather your friends together and um, host a party um, or a class as it were Um, and then of course i have my wholesale um, that i um, offer to selling my items to stores i also formulate for massage therapists and um, actually for a woman that works with horses and with dogs so I love what I'm doing right now. I love that it's, I'm able to um, express my love of plants in so many ways, but a lot of my audience isn't local. And so I've been trying to decide um, how to go about um, reaching a larger audience and in some of the ways that I do locally and finding uh, different pl- teaching platforms that are available now makes it so easy because I am neither a coder, I mean part of the reason that it's taken me so long to get back to the podcast is um, editing is <laughs> sometimes goes over my head, although for some reason today it's really clicking, thank goodness, um, and also even the little bit of, of the editing and and uploading is really all I want to be doing um, with that end of things. It's not necessarily my forte and I would really rather be creating the content. So over this last winter um, I did a lot of writing. I really try to uh, do free writing every day Um, and free writing is a coined term of uh, those who spend 15 to 20 minutes of just writing on whatever free thought that you have. Um, I've worked with writing coach Cynthia Morris, uh, who is a wonderful, wonderful writing coach. And um, although um, she's in Colorado, she has several ways to interact with her online. And uh, through various writing courses and she really got me um, into a practice that I had when I was younger of writing daily again and I just love it it brings out so many ideas Um, it just opens up your brain and lets things flow and uh, I highly encourage everyone to um, Find, carve out some time, if not daily, then at some point during your week, just to sit and let your thoughts ramble. You might be surprised what comes out. Uh, and through this, this winter, I um, created several outlines of different classes. And the purpose of them actually was towards online classes. But when I started looking at them, I realized how many of those I really wanted to teach locally and to be able to interact with, with people here. And as those have begun to happen, I realize also that, yes, they do need to go online too. <laughs> so it's all a big circle and um that is kind of the big the big spring project so in between being out in the garden and um being trying to keep my house inside a little clean um i am also continuing to um write the pdfs write the worksheets that'll be the pdfs for downloads and um, i will definitely keep you updated on when some of these classes and where some of these classes will be available i also have um, a couple of ideas that i would love to run by you um, my podcast listeners and i realize that probably after a year it's going to take a little while for people to um, find this back into their podcast queue and start listening again but this idea has been going through my head for many many months and I thought, well, this is the perfect audience to bring this up with. Um, I, instead of beginning a book group, I've had an interest lately in a in kind of a conversation to be had with podcast listeners. There's some incredibly thoughtful podcasts out there right now. And I listened to some by Krista Tippett, who has the On Being podcast. And I just feel like I want to discuss what I've just heard. Some of them are just amazing. And there's a few other podcasts that are just as thoughtful, like Dream Freedom Beauty, which is another one um, that I just really, really love. And so I have been thinking that it might be an interesting idea to create um, maybe a Facebook group or, um, maybe it's a conversation, uh, that happens within a private community. I'm not sure. Um, Facebook kind of drives me crazy a, a lot of times and I have to take long breaks. So, um, I would love to hear platform ideas too. But what I'm really thinking is that I would just love to um, list a specific podcast episode and um, give people a, you know, a day or two to listen to it. And then we have a week where we talk about that episode and what it means to different people and how it might inspire them. And um, I think it would be a wonderful um kind of alternate to a book group and especially in our world where we're all so very busy that listening to a podcast on the way to work and then you know when you get home or you listen to it on the way home from work and then can join the group and talk about what that meant to you so let me know um i think i'll wait a little while before um beginning this idea um, see if there's people that have some interest in it and um, in the meanwhile um, I'm going to look at ideas for uh, a community forum that's kind of incorporated into that so I would like to talk about a plant today Uh, one that I talked about or wrote about a little bit on uh, my last um, newsletter And if you are not signed up for the newsletter, please do so. Uh, You can just go to my website, which is chickencoopbotanicals.com. And at both the top of the page and the bottom of the page, you will be able to uh, sign up for the uh, newsletter. And I send it out once a month on the new moon, because new moons are about new beginnings. And... So, uh, what a perfect way to start the month for me, which begins sometimes on the new moon that, uh, I talked this last month a little bit about sweet violet, which is Viola Odorata. And later, uh, this week, I'm going to be writing a full monograph for the blog, but I've just, this is the time where they're in full bloom and their fragrance is so wonderful that I just felt like that, um, more needed to be said <laughs> than, a, than a scientific monograph or um, what I shared in the newsletter. And I just wanted to kind of give a more personal idea of, um, for me just this love I have of sweet violets. It reminds me of my grandmother and even my great-grandmother. For some reason, that scent um, goes all the way back to my very, very early childhood. And I know that my grandmother um, grew them in her garden, and I think that they must have been in my great-grandmother's garden as well. But they are, after the Daphne, the second uh, flower to really bloom up here and their fragrance is so so wonderful so for many years just having that wonderful treat of being able to pop one into my mouth and to smell that fragrance and then to taste this flower that you could actually eat it really was my first edible flower that i got to experience And for me, edible flowers in my 20s was my, oh my gosh, that was, I love, love, love edible flowers. And my first garden as an adult, I tried to put in as many edibles as I could. Um, I always am referring to Gino as my son, but he's actually my stepson. And when my husband and I met, he was three. And having this young child in our garden um, being able to find things for him to eat that were really special was a big deal to me. So um, I didn't really grow other flowers that weren't edible for many years because after he got to a certain age, my sister's girls were born and then my sister-in-law's and we had so many other little children in the family that I wanted to the kids to be able to experience uh, flowers in every way both in scent and by eating them and for me the violet sweet violet was so special but then as I got older and wanted to um, take things further I had a catering company for six years and I began Um, wanting to preserve those sweet violets as long as I could so I would paint them with egg whites and dip them in super fine sugar and in this way it preserved them as candied violets and I'm sure some of you have seen those and that's you can make those anytime you like uh, by using a very fine little paintbrush just paint the egg whites um, right on those petals and make sure it's completely covered and then dip it in the sugar. Sometimes it helps to have some tweezers for that. And then you just put them on a, um, some kind of a tray to, um, I like to put them on my cooling sheets like I would use for my cookies and let them completely dry. And then you can put them in a plastic container on a shelf and, um, Be able to use those for cupcakes, for cakes, um, however you like. But it's just kept me in love with them in so many ways over the years. And lately, I'm even more in love with them because as I began to research them as a medicinal plant, um, I found that the leaves, which I've always put into my spring salads, are also a wonderful lymphatic meaning that they go through when you eat them, when you drink them as tea, or lately I've been infusing them in honey. Um, when you in eat them in whatever form you do, you can uh, they go through your lymphatic system and they drain out any toxins. And it's a very gentle thing. It's not um, like uh, dandelion blossoms are also a lymphatic and that they go through and they pull toxins out of your system out of your lymphatic and help um, clear that out because often um, and you will um, sometimes find that people with cancer have cancer right in their lymph nodes and this is a big problem with breast cancer and this is something that keeps The energy flowing and keeps the fluids flowing through your limbs, so that it's just constantly cycling and not getting stuck. And that is a gentle gentleness of sweet violet. I've also used it; um, I infuse them in oil and in jojoba or in rosehip oil, and it's a wonderful um, remedy for women that are nursing and get mastitis. And it helps you can um, rub your breasts, rub your nipples with uh, that sweet violet oil, and it will get the milk flowing again. And it's not something that's going to harm your child by um, having a little bit of that violet in their system as well. So that's just a little story about sweet violets I wanted to share with you today. I think we're getting towards the end of the podcast for this week. And I do say this week because we are going to go back to a weekly podcast. I do miss um, sharing my mountain life with you and all kinds of other things that um, I have brewing along the way. Um, so please uh, keep in touch. I'm on Facebook still as Debbie Accardi. And uh, I'm sure if you search Deb Cardi, you'll find me too. But I spell Debbie with a Y. We also have a very nice little Facebook group for Chicken Coop Botanicals. You can find my website, as I've said, at chickencoopbotanicals.com. And I'm on Instagram. And that's about it for me these days. It seems like most of my time online, I really do prefer to be on Instagram. I find it very inspiring. And um, if you check out some of the list of the people that I follow, they are other herbalists or natural dyers or fiber artists, textile artists, uh, people that inspire me. That's what I've I've decided from the beginning that that's what Instagram was going to be is I do have a few special friends on there that I follow, but um, other than that it is uh, definitely and somewhere if I need some inspiration I like to go there so I hope you will look me up in those spots do sign up for uh, the newsletter and I am going to leave you. With Something that I wrote this morning and I don't share my writings that often, but this morning was an odd one I got up and I brewed my tea and I sat down to to check um, emails and uh, start my day with um, Some lists I needed to make for uh, additions to the website and We have been having Just slowness in the internet, even now. I'm sure that after I finish this, it's going to take me a while to get it uploaded. But today, I just decided I wasn't going to fiddle this morning. I shut the computer, and I grabbed a paper and pen, and I just started writing. And I had four little, I don't know if you'd call these poems or prose, or they're just the beginnings of some little stories, and I just couldn't stop writing. So I thought I would end the podcast today uh, by reading you one of these. And um, before I begin, I just want to wish you a wonderful, wonderful week. I hope you'll have a chance to go out and get your toes in the grass. To be able to look out the window in the morning and see the hills with the last of the mist, the magic settling into the crevices, To see the flowering cherry with its tight buds just waiting for the sun to come out over the horizon so it finally can open, welcoming spring in her own special way. To hear chickens clucking and fussing at the back door reminding me I haven't brought them breakfast yet. To stare into the wood stove and feel that warmth as I sip my morning tea. This is what I love about mornings in the mountains. Nowhere else has ever been able to compare to this. To gaze up at the sleeping cat on the edge of the table. Soon she'll awake and go through her daily routine of disrupting everything to get both our attention. To hear nothing but the sounds of chickens, fires, a pen scratching, the rooster crowing. These sounds quiet my soul, making the start of my day peaceful. Turning off the computer, starting in this way, brings my observation to my surroundings. It reminds me to be present, appreciative, and seeking more of the same as the day unfolds.